back to You Never Text Me Back. Let's overanalyze this. Today we're talking with Thomas Dagg, the founder of Women in Media, a proponent of gender parity above and below the line for productions of all shapes and sizes. Tema, thank you very much for being with us. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. So explain to us exactly what Women in Media is and what it's hoping to achieve. So we're hoping to achieve parity above and below the line, above the line meaning um, producers, directors, writers, actors, so in front of the camera and people at the top and people who are below the line who are basically the crew. There's a lot of discussion about um, having more of the above the line people, but there's very little discussion about getting more women in the crew. And that's where we kind of fill that gap. Um, the idea being that if there's more parity on set, well, first of all, there'll be more parity on set, which is not a bad thing, but, but also that hopefully that will trickle to the stories that we see. And that's really important because the stories that we see that we inhale every day, those really affect, um, the world that we live in, you know, movies and TV shows as Jill Soloway, they are empathy machines. And if you don't see certain people on those empathy machines, we tend to lack empathy for those people. So it's really important that there's more inclusion and diversity behind the camera in every single position. Absolutely. Uh, for, for anybody listening who doesn't know, uh, Bridget and I, obviously, we work in the entertainment industry, and it is a historic boys town it is uh you know it's where all the the guys are um hiring the guys and there's not a lot of equality when it comes to hiring of uh both sexes not to mention people of color yeah and one of the interesting things about working in entertainment more than any other field that i've worked in is is how much you really do survive and thrive based on your network of people you know you get hired by your friends and people who've worked with you before and they know that you can do the job you can do it well you can do it in budget and so they hire you for the next gig because they don't mind spending 12 hours a day with you or 17 hours a day with you multiple days in a row which is really important when you work those long hours um what's one of the ways that you feel like tema people can kind of women can break in on a crew that's a pretty tight-knit sort of boys club crew to get that call back? I mean, people think of crew and people in the industry as being guys and very often white guys. Now, there's nothing wrong with white guys and there's nothing wrong with hiring white guys. However, I think it's important to have more, um, a wider range of people who are on your crew. It makes for a much happier crew and it makes for more balance within the crew. And it does affect the storytelling. Um, I think it's important once women get those gigs that, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's kind of a default that women just kind of work their butts off because we we have so much to prove to begin with. And I think that's very often in our nature anyway. We're just very hungry for the work. But I think it's, it isn't so much what women need to do um, to to maintain getting the jobs. I think it's more the mindset of the people who are doing the hiring. I think, yeah, I think they need to be open to hiring and they need to change what they think of as a grip. Like they shouldn't second guess that it needs to be a guy or it needs to be a woman. They need to just look at people honestly and say, oh, well, this person has these qualifications and I, I got a great recommendation from somebody or whatever it is. They need to actually look at people honestly and hire 
more women. Just do it. Like, don't give it the lip service. Don't talk about how you hired a woman once and it did or didn't work out. That's bullshit because I guaranteed you hired a guy once and it didn't work out. I mean, we've all worked with guys who sucked, right? They just straight up sucked. And we've also worked with women who also sucked. It's just It's inevitable because we all work with people of both genders who are, you just want to marry them because they're so amazing. You're happy being married to them for the two months it makes to make your movie. Um, and then you've worked with others who, you know, you'd be very happy if they fell off the face of the earth. Like that's just how it is. And it's regardless of gender. So I think people have to, just change their mindset. I, I don't know what else we can do. People just have to hire more women. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We, we had an interesting one on a set recently where we had two female PAs and people kept going up to them and being like, oh, is this your first gig? And they were both like, no, we've been working in the industry for years. Like we all, like we're doing this as a favor to the producers who are friends. We also, first AD, we also are makeup artists. We also, you know, they both have careers. And- they were like, oh, people were like, oh, well, should we get like another crew, you know, like maybe like a PA guy to help, you know, wrap out the furniture and yeah, do the heavy lifting. And we it was like, like, why? No, can, no they, they lifted it all to bring it here. I'm sure they can yeah, bring it absolutely back. Absolutely fine. It's hilarious, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm in the art department, right? I'm a production designer and art director, and I've certainly worked my way up. I was a scenic artist for many, many years. I've carried like five gallon containers of paint. Like you're just expected to do that no matter what your gender is. I've worked with the big Bertha um, sprayer. I know how to parallel park a lift. I mean, but I think part of it is that people don't expect you to have those skills. They think that you've just started doing this yesterday. And I'm, I don't have a really clear answer as to why that is, why they think, I think because they, I'm going to take a stab at it. I think because they're not used to seeing us in those positions and because the general narrative for everything women do other than being mothers or homemakers or the traditional roles, everything that we do is questioned constantly and people don't think we're competent. There's a real problem in the U.S. with generally thinking women are competent at doing anything and we are questioned no matter what the role is in a way that men are not. There's a serious double standard no matter what job you're doing, a serious double standard, so that women have to be twice as good to get half the respect. And I think that is just a malaise that we have in America because a lot of other countries have kind of pushed beyond this. We're just very backward yeah, in America. We're, we're behind the times. I think, to your point, I think there's a lot of um, women who have worked their their faces off to bust through that glass ceiling as much as they possibly could but i feel like we live in such a society and we brought up been brought up in such a society where women are in competition with each other and it is ingrained so you have a lot of women who could potentially have the ability to hire more women and bring up more women and in bridget's in my experience there's actually a, a lot of women out there who see that as a threat and see that as something to be to be looked down upon or to be squashed. Well, we have some incredibly persistent sexism in this country, and it's just normal. It's absolutely normal to be sexist in our country in a way that it isn't in many other countries. And when you travel outside the country, you, being, you begin to see how incredibly sexist we are. And it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. Seriously, like, I fight against sexism. I fight against racism, all of that within myself, because that's how I was brought up. 
that is the world I live within. But I try my hardest to be awakened to the fact that, oh, wait, hang on a minute, step back a minute, that isn't right. And I, I think I've been practicing that for so many years that it's become much easier for me to not be sexist or racist because I, I catch myself all the time. The problem is when people don't catch themselves and they don't evolve. That's, I think it's okay, you know, if you know that if you catch yourself being sexist or anything like that, you're like, oh, wait a minute, hang on, that isn't, I'm not right in my thinking, and you catch yourself and you fix it, I think that's fine. I think the problem is when people don't evolve, and I see that a lot. I see it a lot online. <laughs> I see it a lot in real life. I see people where the default is just to hire a guy as a director, partly because they either don't know a guy, they don't know a woman who's a director, or that's just like what they see. That's what they imagine. And that's where we need to evolve and change things for society as a whole. And I think part of that we, is just going to be putting pressure and, and keeping people awake to the fact, you know, and, and don't be afraid to have those hard conversations with people when you say that, you know what, your thinking isn't quite right. We need to fix that. Don't be afraid to have those tough conversations because until we do that with ourselves and with other people, we're not going to evolve. We're just not going to fix the problem. But I think there's a, people are afraid to have those conversations. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to hurt their own jobs. They don't want to be not nice. And as women, we're taught that we, you know, friendship is magic, right? Boys get, boys on TV, and trust me, I've got a child, I get to see the difference. Boys get the superhero and like beating the crap out of people and girls get friendship is magic. Now there's nothing wrong with either, but I feel like maybe girls could have a little more beat the crap out of people and boys could have a little more friendship is magic. And I think we'd be a much happier society. I'm excited about Wonder Woman. Oh, oh my God. One, so oh my God. on DC. Don't bone yeah. this one the way you've boned everything oh, yeah. else. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? But but it's Patty Jenkins. She's such a great She's director. So right? Oh, oh. So I'm excited. I was at the post office today mailing crew checks for a job that we were just on and I was so depressed that the Wonder Woman stamps are still out of production. I was like, do you guys have them back? And she's like, no. And I was like, this is the fourth time I've been here, lady. (laughs) Give me the stamps. They sold out so fast. Yeah, but yeah, I'm so excited about Wonder Woman. I can't tell you. I've been so excited about it for the two years we've been waiting for it to come out. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time I hear that music at the end, Mm -hmm. I just start like dancing around the house. My family, my family's just like, oh God, she's so embarrassing. Stop. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Um, I'm so excited. And I love Gal Gadot. I, you know, being that she's, um, that she's actually an Israeli soldier. Yep. She's such a badass and that you know that. She could kill you, like, yeah. you know, totally. like, I believe it. She, you can tell by her action and her eyes that she could totally put a hurt on you. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, when you, I, I actually tried to sit through Batman versus Superman, and I hate Oof. to say it, but I did fall asleep three times Terrible. until Gal Gadot Terrible. came on. Because, like, you know, you've got these two, like, powder puff gym babies, like, you know, titty queens walking around posing and, like, talking like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, they're gym queens. And then you get yep. Gal Gadot, who, like, you can tell she could, like, just take both her heads and bash them together and move right. over with, right? Yeah. And as yeah. much as as much as much I want to love Superman and Batman because of the characters, because yeah. growing up, re- reading the comics, yeah. watching those movies, I'm like, what are we it was doing? Just, it was just not good. <laughs> it, just it was just good. boring. Oh, it was, the, it was a misfire. I'm like, that's, that's a good way to show you that you have 
$200 million. More. Or 250 or whatever they spent. And... And you just like don't know. you still can't make a tight story. Like, yeah, that's shocking. Yeah, I mean, shocking to, to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, they blew it all in that stupid pixel monster. That was so stupid. They really did. They should have blown some Awful. of that movie on scripties because the the story had it had legs. And then you get, and I'm sure the original script was probably like pretty tight because generally they are. You get like a bunch of the execs in there that are like more flashbang, boom. Ugh. <laughs> oh the like the first the first superman or the most recent first superman and it's like oh the movie should be ending right here oh no we've got 15 more minutes of oh, destroying the city except for kay costner was in that as the dad and made me weep and i was like all right kay costner but even still it. even still with kay costner looking back and being like don't save me from this tornado because you have your secret and i'm like no kay cost that doesn't make any fucking that, sense it doesn't make sense it just makes me sad you have to save kay cost Kikos was willing to die so that his son wouldn't have the secret out. I'm like, come on, Kikos. You can father better than that when you're alive. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, you know what I find interesting about about the whole the the whole gender parody thing, now that we're sort of talking about above the line people, is you can really tell when no woman has ever had their finger remotely close to a script. Because you'll get so many moments of the movie where you're like, that's not that's not a that's not a thing. Yeah, like, that's you not how women talk. Women don't talk like that, or yeah, they don't wear that. Like you know, classic example is Jurassic World. She's running through the jungle in pink high heels that magically are clean at the end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something where like a female screenwriter would have been like, like let's just write in one moment of you know 15 seconds of this movie where she throws on some boots yeah where she literally changes her <laughs> shoes because this is ridiculous and we have close-ups of her feet and no woman is going to be like oh well that makes sense yeah they're not yeah. they don't get clean again no with no and you don't outrun so- t-rex in pump no yeah, you take those off. You just embrace yeah. the you embrace the glass in your feet, and yeah. you run in bare feet. You, you either you either it. like run screaming into death's arms, or you go run screaming the other way without shoes on. Like that's how that works. I was just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's why we need more women. Well, you know what? There are plenty of women screenwriters. It's just that it's just that the bigger budget indies and the studios need to hire them. They just need the will to do it. And then they'll have much better stories. I mean, look at what we've got on television. We have this wonderful golden age of TV because the film industry rejected amazing women like Mary Harron and Mimi Letter and Chandra Jerry Rimes. Foster. Well, jo- yeah, I mean, Anyashka Holland. I mean, yeah. all these women, they should be like throwing budgets at these women. Yeah. And, in, and instead, I mean, it was, it, they used to call it what was it TV jail? Like you went to yeah. TV jail because because your your movie didn't do as well as they had expected. You know that doesn't affect men, right? Um, because Ron Howard will make a movie that blows a wad and loses tons of money, and he's still got more movies. Yeah, and he's up. got another one coming down the pike. No problem, I, no questions asked. It's just awful. Anyway, yeah. But you know, but then you get somebody brilliant like Mary Harron, and she's in TV. Uh, for those of you who don't know Mary Harron, she directed American Psycho. Great classic film. Yeah. Um, one of, and nobody, one of the best films you've all ever seen. <laughs> that's right. And and she's one of the kind of co-creators of the punk movement. But that's whatever. You know, she's just nobody could have directed that movie the way she directed it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that she went to TV. It's actually a great thing. It's really good for all of us because we get to see her do serial work. However, I mean, what the, that all these women got sent to TV jail because it was the the cheap place right and it didn't have a lot of clout for the longest time 
But all the, these amazing, talented women went and worked there, and they started doing these like funky, quirky, great, interesting, well-rounded characters on TV. And now TV is prestigious. So you better believe that the men are trying to take away TV from the women because now there's prestige. But if that happens, we're going to get the same boring shit we've gotten forever. Like, okay, um, can I just rag on a TV show for a minute? I hope <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to be angry please. at me for this. Okay. No, do it. So this is me being evil. But I, uh, I, so my husband and I were watching American Gods, right? I, have you guys seen this movie? This TV, this I TV haven't. Show? It's on Stars. It just it just premiered. I have not watched it yet. My okay. We, so yeah. yeah, we we've seen a few of them, and it's. I just want to. I can't. Well, I'm having such a hard time. It's it's so painful. Oh no! Because it's Neil Gaiman. I love Neil Gaiman. I love Neil Gaiman. I was so excited for this because I'm a I'm a Gaiman fan. I'm game for Gaiman, but this I don't know what the. Fuck they did, or what they were. Th- I'm, am I allowed to curse on this? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I, totally. Oh, <laughs> oh, well, you're in trouble, ladies. I'm let loose. So, I am. Um, I I can't believe. Number one, it looks so cheap, which is really upsetting because Neil Gaiman, and it really shouldn't. It's like, but the continuity is horrific, and the dialogue is clunky. And the women's roles are stereotypical and stupid. And it just, like, we can predict everything. And I just want to, like, I'm having such a hard time getting through it. Now, we've got a three-episode rule in my household. We must persist for three episodes. And then we're allowed to ditch it. And my husband and I looked at each other. We're like, you know, we might ditch the three-episode rule for this one. We just might. Um, but I've talked to a couple of guys. Well, dare I say it, some guys who maybe aren't my best movie critics, um, but they who like it, but they don't see the cliches. So I'm not that surprised. It's just a true. Anyway, but this is a very, you can tell, like, no, there, I'm sure there were no women writers. Maybe I'm sure there were women producers and stuff, but I, the writing is so shoddy and the the characters for the women are just sort of obvious. It's like a 14-year-old's uh, fantasy. And there's nothing wrong with a 14-year-old boy's fantasy, but... But we've all seen it. Geez. You know, we, we've all we've seen, seen it, it over and over again. I think there's a lot to be said for the fact it's, that people are so uh, jaded that you probably do absolutely. have a woman producer who watched it and was like, well, that makes sense because it's like everything else that we've seen before that she also doesn't see the stereotypes and cliches. Yeah. Or, or I feel like a lot of, you know... I, I uh, we used to work at a company and I would find myself doing this because one, you know, when you get all of your recommendations and ideas and script notes shot down for months and months and months and months, at some point you're just like, you know what, I got to get through my day. I can't, I can't. And you're just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Like, I can't, I can't do it, which is a horrible thing to, uh, you know, to, to think, yeah, you lose your like, voice, but it's, you know, I, I, I was, get that. There's probably a ton of money involved. So they're going to play it safe in a lot of ways in terms of the storytelling. Whereas you get something like the handmaid's tale. Oh um, my God. I was just going to bring that up. I was like, Oh my it's God. It's so, so great. Good. Even the uh, pilot and like right? the pilot, you forgive people for having a shitty pilot, but the pilot, 
like that's why we like we're watching the the Neil Gaiman one, and we're like, oh, it's the pilot. We'll kind of muddle through another one. But then you watch The Handmaid's Tale, and like right out of the gate, like they just blow it. Up. Yeah, they were not messing yeah. around. I think that that is one of the best things about. Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, and and even to some extent HBO and Stars, um, is that they have realized that the traditional TV model of pilots doesn't work for them, and so rather than just spend all that money on one episode that they spend you know like cheap money on, so it's not done to the level that the series will be done on. You know, they they actually say, like, okay, The Handmaid's Tale, like, this is a great story. You have 10 great scripts. You have a great cast attached. Here's the money. Make the full series at the level that we want it to be the quality of. You know, same with, like, House of Cards. The first episode of House of Cards, I remember being, like, boof, like, my brain. I was, like, this is – I'm going to watch all these episodes right now because I have to. Um, And I I think that's such a cool thing about the way that the TV landscape has changed. Because you're right. Usually I watch pilots and I'm like, well, let's see how, let's see how episode, you know, the next five episodes When they greenlit it, maybe they made some changes that made it absolutely better. Exactly. And and I think they're all fighting for space. They have to stand out. Exactly. Yeah. And when I think part of the problem with American Gods is that there are so many locations that they they probably they have to blow just a little less of a wad on each location whereas the handmaid's tale it's very contained you know they're in the house a lot so they can put or walking a lot down of money the street yeah. like walking down the street exactly mm-hmm. so when they do have to do another set they can you know they can budget really well for that and in the end it really comes down to their visual language and that reed morano is a dp and a director and the visual language is so fucking strong it's it like really they is. and ma- it's not oh, it's not through great. a uh, what is it it's not through the male gaze it's weird exactly. how you how you how back in the day I, I didn't exactly know what the male gaze was I was like i have no idea what we're talking about here but as i became more and more aware of it you watch something and you're like i completely understand now and handmaid's tale is just this perfect example of like Oh, this is what it is. Yeah. This is what's different. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm looking. I just looked it up right now. I mean, five of the episodes directed by women of the ten, mm-hmm. and Margaret Atwood co-wrote every episode with Bruce Miller, uh, and they had three other writers who wrote on the episodes. So, it's, and you can tell. And obviously, the cast is significantly female. Um, mm-hmm. Thing that I did want to want to touch on. We touched on it briefly. Was you know getting into a writer's room and having female writers. I had drinks with a friend recently, a couple friends, and um, and uh, my friend is in or had just finished being in a writer's room where she was so hyper frustrated because the the circumstance was that the senior writers in the writer's room were all male. But in order to, you know, show the world that there was gender parity within this writer's room, they hired a bunch of female writers, but they kept them at that at that base level where they were still voiceless. They still like their ideas weren't taken seriously because they weren't the senior writers. And as long as they were kept at at below middle, um, you know, they could go out and say, oh, look at us. We're so we're so amazing. But it, it's still happening. It was still this like passive, uh, passive version of sexism where their ideas, things that they had to contribute, even episodes that they were in charge of were ultimately taken out of their hands or their voices were taken away because they were in a writer's room that was run by men who were traditionally 
in that in that model of oh well you know men are in the white in, in in charge men are in the writer's room and we're in charge of the stories and oh that's a cute idea sweetheart but we're gonna go with this because it sells and so even though we have more women who are being employed there's still um and i'm sure it's changing and because the fact that they're even employed is a huge difference but the fact that they're employed doesn't necessarily mean gender parity yeah of course i mean it's tokenism yeah tokenism doesn't work you know what i mean it's like if you're going to have people in the writer's room you need to give them a voice otherwise you're i mean you're wasting their breath and you're fucking up the series quite frankly if i mean you should be hiring them because you want their big brain not hiring them because it makes you feel good about yourself which i'm afraid a lot of the industry is run on people feeling good about themselves you know, it's that big ego where they want to feel like a hero, even though they're kind of stuck in their old ways. And it goes back to what I was saying before, that people need to do some soul searching and some deep introspection. And we all need to do it. I'm not excluded. Everybody needs to do it, especially in the age of Trump. We all need to kind of do some deep soul searching about about why things are the way they are and how do we fix them. And it's probably going to start with you and you and you and me, it has to. And and that includes executives and that includes above and below the line people and the writers, people in the writer's room. And they need to catch themselves yeah. doing that. You know what I Very mean? They need to have like a- stay awake. Exactly. Or just wake up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, woke as the kids say. Work, yeah. Yeah. Um, stay woke. But stay woke. You know, I, li- <laughs> I actually really like that expression. If it's good enough for Auntie Maxine, it's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> She can do love, no wrong. No wrong. I love her. I love her so much. If I could hit 100 like likes every time she posts something, I would. I would totally. <laughs> like, I'm always like, I want to just punch the button because I love her so much. Um, but that's true also of div- diversity programs, quite frankly. I mean, diversity programs, not all of them, but many of them are about tokenism so that the studios can feel like, oh, we had a woman shadow on such and such. But if it doesn't land in a job or a proper pitch session, something where women um, and and people of color, uh, if they can't actually progress within the system, it was a big fucking waste of time, quite frankly. So when there are these diversity programs, if they don't actually lead to a job or a proper pitch, then they are losing a great opportunity. and. By that, I don't just mean the people who are in those programs who are looking to get hired. I mean the people who are offering those um, those shadowing opportunities or whatever they are. They're losing the opportunity to hire better and to have more interesting people on their crews because the product will be better and, you know, dare I say it, more quirky and more interesting if they do hire more um, inclusively. It'll just make for a better product, a more interesting product. Instead of getting the same old, we get, we've been fed the same old crap for decades, right? And it's only since women have gotten into television that we've gotten this very rich, uh, wild, expansive programming selection, you know, that really very risky stuff, like transparent, like really awesomely unusual funky things that that like you wouldn't necessarily think of it of a tv show being about someone whose parent is going you know becoming transgender like 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 it's wonderful it's wonderful to have this 
these rich tapestries brought out for us and and to build people's empathy as well. And I fully, yeah, I fully believe that if you can see people and identify with them, we'll be a much happier, more warm and loving society. I mean, I don't, I mean, I think we're evolving, but I think we have to see things and feel them through our storytelling. I think this goes back to caveman times. We have got to have that global fireplace where we can have empathy for each other. You know, I feel like we we wouldn't have had our first very talented black president if Morgan Freeman hadn't played the president. And it's not that Barack Obama wasn't massively talented and, and a terrific leader, like, to begin with. That's not his issue. The issue is people getting their heads straight, being able to see it and feel that it's a possibility and that that can happen and that they can be comfortable. It's a, it's a social comfortableness, as it were. They can't be comfortable unless they've already lived it. It's, it's that chicken and egg thing, right? It's that you can't be comfortable with something until you're already comfortable with it. So people, it's, the, it's like the basis of Top 40 Radio. People won't get on the dance floor unless they've heard the song one million times on the radio, which is why you hear the same song over and over again on the radio. Having been a club DJ, I know all about this. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's real. So people need to be comfortable with something before they will move forward with it in real life. So when you have a show like Will and Grace or you have other movies or TV shows where gay people are totally normal and they have issues like you and I do, you know, they they have relationship issues and they can be funny and they can be not non-threatening like Ellen, who's lovely. Um, when they're non-threatening and normalized, then you can get gay marriage, but not a second before that. And like I say, that isn't the fault of gay people. The issue is the people who weren't ready for gay marriage. They had to become primed to be ready. And that's why it's so important to see women um, as president, dare I say it, or doing engineering jobs or whatever the job is. It's really important that we see women in those roles in TV and movies, and especially for little girls and, and little boys, probably little boys even more than little girls. They need to see that as well so that they grow up and they're better. They're just better partners in general. That I, I'd never, I'd actually never heard it put so succinctly as, you know, nothing is possible until we're ready for it to be possible. And that's what entertainment is. It's making things visible that might otherwise be uncomfortable or something that you just wouldn't think about. One of the things that I feel like I've experienced quite a bit is, is the, the issue of a male on set thinking that he's a good guy who isn't sexist. And, profess oh. and professing it quite a bit and saying, no, 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 this, it's not because I'm sexist that I'm saying this. And I'm like, and I, at, when I first started out, you know, because I was poor and I needed to work, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever, I'm going to get a snack. And I would just like walk away because I'm like, I, need, I can't get fired because I need this job because I am poor and I need to eat and have a roof over my head. Um, but now that I've been working for years and now that I'm starting to, you know, produce more and and whether that's under other producers or producing my own sets, um, I've started being like, no, actually, that is really sexist. And let me just tell you why. I'm not, you know, I'm not offended. I'm just saying, don't say it's not sexist because it is. And here's why. It's like the hashtag, not all men. And it's yeah. like, oh, but I'm not one of those guys. And it's yeah. like, that that may well be what you believe. But I, I know in my own world, like, 
I've got phenomenal friends who are men. They are so important to me. They're second only to my brothers and my father. But at the same time, having been in this industry and being so immersed in in the blatant sexism, to see it reflected in your friends, you're like, well, I got to take this as a teachable moment. You're gonna not gonna like it, but this is what this is what it sounds like to me. What you're saying, and so when we get on set and we have um, we have you know people who are trying to tell you how to do your job who would have never thought twice about not doing that had you been a man it's 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 so beyond frustrating but what is amazing right now is that we have the ability to do something about it and i was talking i think i was talking to bridget about the fact that technology allows us a voice and a community in a way that has never existed before i mean the the very fact that um, women in media even exists is because we have the ability to coalesce into a group and and say, oh, you're dealing with this stuff? So am I. This fucking sucks. Why don't we do something about it? And, and you know, affect change in a way that is more communal instead of just one person standing up and being like, this is awful. Normally that person will be smacked down by not just the people that they are protesting against, but also the people within the community that are like, shut up, you're going to ruin it for everybody. Um, but now we actually have women who are like, I am looking for crews of women to be on my sets. I am looking for the highest caliber person to be on my set, whether that's a man or a woman, instead of just, that's my best boy, which is where best boy comes from. Go, go find me your best boy. And, and now there's just this, like this huge change where people have voice because they have a community. Okay. Funny you should mention that. I've got a list for that. So we, we have the Women in Media crew list, um, which has 25 tabs for different departments. It's um, a Google Sheet, and women can add themselves to the list. Okay, so there's a place for their name, optional phone number, email, what, um, what they do, right? So we have, say, a tab for camera department, so it says if they're ACs or DPs. Um, and then there's also a column for their IMDb, uh, any website, whether they're union or non-union. And then there's two columns if they have a recommendation. So like if they wanted to say, put me down there, put my name and my email so that if you wanted to hire me, you would call me, you would, you would email me and ask, ask if so-and-so was good at what they did. So it's very, very easy to vet people very quickly. You could just like boom, 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 go through the list and um, look at people's IMDBs and their websites very quickly and make a determination if they're correct for your job. Like I was producing um, a short video, a PSA, and I needed music and it was 10 at night as you do. And because it was, you know, like you get the gig at four in the afternoon and you have to go on location scout tomorrow. You know, it's just so fast. So it's like 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, oh, I can't really call anybody. They don't get back. Oh. And I thought, oh, I've got a list for that. <laughs> immediately, like, like I hop on my list and I was like, I listened to 10 different uh, composers and they were all great. It wasn't like one was better than the other. They were all terrific, but they weren't quite right. 
you know, some of them were more like action movies and one would be really great for video games and one was more classical and none of it was quite right for what I needed. And finally, like the 11th person I listened to, I was like, ah, this is exactly it. And I shot her off an email by 10 o'clock the next morning. She called me by, um, by the next day I had a contract and within a week she had a check. Boom, boom done so quick so easy it made me so happy I can't tell. I was like man this has changed my life and I'll tell you a little story about how I came about making the crew list so um I became friends with this guy actually on Twitter he was getting a little bit of flack for doing a project with a famous producer who's a woman who really Espews having lots of women in directing positions, and she got into trouble, um, a bit of social media trouble for hiring a guy to direct a project. And it, it turned out it wasn't the story was a little bit confused. And um, and I met with him, and I met with one of his producers, and it turned out that there were like nine other women directing a similar project. And I, long story short, he ended up being a really good guy, and he had every right to make his project. So we became friendly, and I was like, well, okay, so you're a guy. We can't do anything about that. <laughs> I mean, that, that's going to stay the same no matter you know, what, what I try to do. There's <laughs> not much we can do about that. You know, I love you. Anyway, but aside from that, okay, so who do you have in your crew? In all seriousness, who do you have in your crew? And his crew was dudes. And I was like, well if you want to kind of relieve the pressure to begin with and also do the right thing, you can hire some women in your crew. And he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I, this is what I mean. People can evolve. They really do. And like I said, and this is like this really menschy guy, totally great guy. And he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I do want to hire more women in my crew. Can you recommend? I'm like, of course I can recommend. I'm the women in media person. <laughs> and, we've, and we've been doing these events for, for many, many years. So I've got a long list of women in crews. And, um, and I was able to recommend people, um, but then it was right around the, the women's March a few months back. And he was like, I've got all these crews going all over the country and I need a bunch of crew, a bunch of women to, to DP for me. Can you help me? And at that moment I had just, uh, line produced a project for the women's March, um, called why I March that was. Uh, we were just wrapping that up and that was, that had to be done right away because the March was in a couple of days and it was going to be shown on the bus all day. So that had to get finished. And I also was going to have three crews out at the women's March. So I was all frantic and crazed and I'm thinking, fuck, like, I really want to help my, my buddy out for one, cause he's a good guy and I have to, but also like I'm the women in media person. I have to help him. And I'm like scrambling through all my lists, like, uh, who do I know in DC area? Uh, you know, and then I thought, you know what? Why don't I just create this Google Doc and let people fill out their own information, and then I can just direct my buddy to this list, and then I, I like completely take myself out of the picture because I don't want to be a middleman. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, um, you know, an agency or something. Yeah, because because you also don't sure. know everybody. I don't. I don't want to go through and vet everybody. That's not my my mission in life you know however facilitating it so that the people who want to hire women can hire women who want to be hired 
um, that I'm happy to facilitate and kind of like make sure that the formatting is correct and stuff like that. Because people are constantly asking me to recommend crew and and I feel like this is just easier for everybody. They can vet at any time of the day or night. They don't need me, uh, you know, they don't need to wait for me to get to their email to give them crew. And nobody has time for that, quite frankly. Nobody has time, you know, especially when you're on a gig and you've got to hire them hours ago. Nobody has time. So I just wanted to make it super easy and user friendly. And if you know the most simplest means of using a Google Doc, you can sort it very easily by location. So if you need somebody in, um, you know, Morocco or something, you can sort it. You can find them pretty, pretty quickly. We're getting, we're getting women all over the world. It's really remarkable. What I love about this list is that it, it erases the excuse. Yep. Because anybody that, that has heard, oh, I'd love to hire a woman. I just can't find any that are good. And it's like, you clearly aren't looking for any. Um, because yeah. that's a lie because that's some horseshit and there's plenty of resources out there. If you can't find somebody through a person, then if you just do a simple Google search, you can find this list. You can yep. find it very easily. And also I, I would hazard that anyone you ask has worked with at least, even if they work on all dude films, typically they've worked with at least one awesome qualified female. Like, there's no way you've never worked with a single <laughs> You're woman. You're a liar. Come on. You're a liar. The, the, the statistics are against it. You know, like it's absolutely, it's statistically impossible that you never worked with qualified women. It's absolutely impossible. America is falling behind because of this mindset. Other countries are, they are evolving and they are moving. In fact, they've done it decades ago. And they're yeah. decades, not just like recently, like decades ago. I mean, we are so far behind in terms of female leadership compared to, say, New Zealand and or, UK. Or England or, yeah. or Germany. And, or... Like everywhere. We're, mm. And we're falling behind in terms, I mean, New Zealand, and I, I know about New Zealand because I have family there. Um, it's, it's, hard. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. I would, I would wonder if New Zealand faces the same industry problems we do, though, because they do so no. many movies there. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't been in the New Zealand movie industry, but I, know, I do know people in the New Zealand movie industry. And their feeling is that they don't have the rampant sexism that we have. Not, I mean, I'm sure there's some, but it's not, it's not the same degree as what we have. I'm go, I'm I going know that... I know that in Australia they have the, the, like government programs for female filmmakers. Yeah, where they're like, "Come make your female-driven content. We will give you money, sets, anything that you need, support," because they're they're so down for having female filmmakers in their in their country. Yeah, which is something that has never happened here in the states. I don't. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know much about government. Well, programs. very not government, but I mean, there are definitely grants and stuff, but they're oh, so yeah. few and far between. And then they get like fifty thousand applicants, yeah. and the person who gets selected has to know someone who actually gets their script read or actually gets their pitch read if it's producing or actually, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, it, because it's just like anything. It's like going to a film festival. If you just blindly submit you might get in you might win but usually you need to know the right person to email to get it thought about and if you are again in that boys club and you don't have those connections yet and you haven't made them 
and they're, you know, those doors aren't opening, then you're kind of like, well, how the fuck do I get in the door? I'm knocking. Let me in. Which is why we've got female driven film festivals, female. We've got women in media, media. And uh, it's it's so important for this stuff to exist, because the more that it happens, the more normalized it is, the more you've got these crews that are like, I'm totally used to having 50 percent women on on my crew. I'm used to having more than 50 percent like. I was a producer on a web series called Her Story. Her Story was so female-driven, and the entire narrative of the show is about trans and queer women. And it was groundbreaking. We got nominated for an Emmy, and it's a YouTube web series. And it's so... It was it was a unicorn set, because we absolutely had a, a couple of cis men that were there. And everybody, including those guys was on board, did not feel threatened by the fact that like most of the crew was female. We were having a great time the entire time because we believed in this project, not only because of what the content was, but because of who our crew was and the people around us. We were so super supportive and it was just this like awesome time. And then you go to, you have to like hold on to those memories because then you go to a set where you're just like, oh, I feel like a pile of cheese shit. Like this is awful. Because everybody treats you the way that you've, at least for me, the way that I was used to being treated by a predominantly male crew. And to go from one to the other, you're like, oh, I've tasted the goods and now I'm back on the diet. Then they mansplain when you just, you give one comment where you're like, hey, could we be more efficient in this time period that we have where you're all sitting around? Could we be maybe efficient and just lighting the next room or like thinking about your, you know, oh, you have your shots planned? Oh, cool. And then you get to that room, they're like, well, we got to talk about the shots. And you're like, oh, how about I'll murder you all later? How about, how about I'll murder you? And you're like, what a good idea. That's happened to be more often than I can tell you. Right? The, the whole thing is that women are competent. And yes, you may occasionally hire a woman who's dog meat. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. But you also hire shit men on occasion also because just like in any industry – There are good workers and there are bad workers. And that's just a fact of life. And so, you know, we just want to make sure that everyone who's listening, who is in some sort of situation where they are hiring someone or recommending someone, think twice about who you're recommending. And are you just recommending, oh, the bro who lives downstairs? Or are you really thinking like, oh, who do I know who's qualified? Oh, both of these two people are qualified. Why don't I send both their names and not just this dude's name yeah ultimately pick the best man for the job just consider that the best man for the job is a woman exactly and if people want to be involved in the women in media crew list they can email us to find out more about it Um, if you're a woman you're welcome to join the list and if you're any gender we strongly encourage you to hire from the list so you can just email women so that's W-O-M-E-N, the letter N, media, M-E-D-I-A, at gmail.com. And we will happily connect you to the list. And you can also follow us on Twitter. And that would be at women, the letter N, media. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Tammy. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I had so much fun. It was great talking with you both. Absolutely. We will definitely do this again. You have a good yes. one. Yes. <laughs> We're going to do it tomorrow. I, we- yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we could. We could totally I was going to say, we should definitely meet in real life as well, for sure. Yeah.
And thanks to everyone back at home for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. Oh, hey again. If you can't get enough of us, you can find us on YouTube also at youtube.com forward slash brulette media. And obviously, brulette is the combination of Bridget and Juliet. It's B-R-U-L-I-E-T media. If you can't spell media, you're on your own. Talk to you later.